0: This episode of this podcast is Making Me Thirsty is brought to you by Pace Electronics. Welcome to this podcast is Making Me Thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 82, today's guest is a veteran of stage and screen. He played George's boss, Rick Levitan, in the classic season two episode of Seinfeld, The Revenge. Fred Applegate. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, please pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty, Instagram at This Thirsty, YouTube channel. Email us at This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty. Episode 82 Fred Applegate. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 82, today's guest is a veteran of stage and screen. He has guest starred in over 150 television shows, including New Heart, Growing Pains, Billions, and Crashing. And of course, he played George's boss, Rick Leventon, in the classic season two Seinfeld episode, The Revenge. Please welcome Fred Applegate. Fred, thanks for joining. That's
1: a pleasure. Thank you. Brad, welcome to the program. I mean, yeah one of the one of the greatest characters to, um, to ever play Seinfeld get, guest star. So take us back, 1991. Tell us a little bit about the audition. Pro- Thirty years ago, can you believe it? Yeah. Um, yes. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the audition process. H- how the role came about um, uh, in the Revenge.
2: Uh, well, as far as the writing, I don't know. The audition process was pretty standard, except. Um, It was just these people who I was very impressed with, which always makes me nervous. Mm. So because I was nervous, I decided to be as obnoxious as I possibly could, because that I can do in my sleep, um, according to my wife. (laughs) And uh, it seemed to work for them. So uh, it turned out to be a fun audition and a fun week.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you said, the, 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 the guys, right when we see him the first time he's on the phone, he's being obnoxious talking about Lake George and, and, you know, videotaping with the girl. I mean, right off the bat, we know who this guy is. Um, You know, then Jason, obviously George, you know, tells him off and quits. And uh, you know, we were just talking about before you came on, you're, so when George comes back, your delivery, uh, you know, is that stands over there? while you're not even looking at him? You're looking the other way. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, yeah. cre- incredible delivery. That whole scene, you, we were talking before, you pretty much steal the whole show. But, uh, you know, kind of take us through maybe, you know, you know, scene by scene or just like, what was your memories of of maybe that like boardroom scene, or, you know, when you're, you know, kind of calling out George for being in the room?
2: Well, I remember, um, one thing they did ask was, they told me I was mispronouncing his name. Uh, it's Costanza. Yes. And I said, I know I'm mispronouncing his name. I hate him.
0: <laughs> Good call. So you made that. That's awesome. <laughs> so it was just a little
2: little twist of the knife right. uh, into George. Is that Costanza? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Jason's great. You know, I worked with Jason years later. Uh, in the producers the mel brooks musical uh in los angeles he and marty short were nathan and leo and i was franz the uh, playwright
0: oh wow that's yeah we knew we knew you had that connection with the producers um i guess we can maybe jump on that then about working with with mel brooks i mean that's got to be uh compared to you know working with larry and then and then mel brooks with some legends new heart um
2: but jumping jumping back that? to working with larry What I most remember of the of the week was uh, Michael Richards, um, the scene where he pours the cement into the washing machine that took about four hours to film. And a lot of the cast and crew and a couple of the casts from the studios on either side just came in to watch him because it was four hours of, of absolute comic gold. Uh, Everything he did. And we had to be careful because we were laughing so loud. They kept telling us to shut up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was, um, he actually brought a 60-pound bag of concrete, you know. And And he was
2: fully padded from head to toe under his clothes. I mean, fully stunt padded. So he really threw himself around.
1: Incredible. So. So 1991, th- again, the, the Revenge was the 12th episode ever of Seinfeld. They went on to do, you know, uh, around hundred 180. Yeah, several more and became obviously a, uh, one of the greatest shows of all time. But at that time, when you were trying out or even when you were on the set, did you have, have that sense that it was a, a special show? Uh,
2: yeah, you did. I mean, the chemistry among the cast, y- you could tell um, – But also I had an advantage of, you know, not being intimidated by them because uh, Julia is married to Brad Hall, who I worked with at the Guthrie. Um, Michael Richards, I had worked with at the Taper. Um, So I had connections with uh, the people on the show and I had met uh, Jason already. So it was it was more fun to play with people that you you have some comfort level with.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Fred, the, uh, actually they filmed that on your birthday, I believe there's your 38th birthday. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny. Like, you were 38. I, I, you just, it felt like you had such a presence of like a 50 a year old, right. You know what I mean? Like you were a young guy and you were the boss kind of just, you know, it, it was just uncanny, but, but yeah, those guys were young too. Jason was probably early thirties at that point as well. But, um, what do you, what do you, I mean, so you're probably a little comfortable there, it was your birthday, but what else can you tell us? I mean, the scenes with you and Julia were just, I mean, in, incredible. What do you remember about uh, working with her? I know you, you know her husband, but. Well, I know her husband. I sort of knew her uh, socially, but she's filming the
2: scene and, and everything she does. She's so direct and she really looks right into your soul. It's not that, you know, kind of. Uh, actor looking at you looking at you she's she almost makes you nervous because she's so present and so real um it it really it ups everybody's game i mean working with her is makes you look better
0: yeah it almost seemed like and i'm sure we've talked to so many guest stars and i ask this question all the time and and always gets answered with the same thing but i'll try it again it seemed like she was ad-libbing, or 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 even you guys were kind of just going back and forth. I mean, she's just that great of an actor. Was just written that way because it was kind of like she was coming kind of coming up with ideas, and she's like, "Oh, I'm naked, naked, naked." But it just seemed like you guys were, like you said, it wasn't forced at all. It's like you were kind of just playing with each other and almost like ad-libbing. Was was that written the way it was written, or do you remember doing anything different uh, as far as that scene goes?
2: I remember it being pretty tightly written.
0: Yeah, that's what um, I
2: and uh, although you know. If you really honor the writing, if you honor the writers and really try to get underneath what they were writing, it it becomes more natural. It becomes what you'd say. If you understand what they're saying, it becomes what you're saying. If you, there are actors who will immediately try to change things because it doesn't make sense to them. Or I don't think I'd say that. Well, I think it's the, the writer has the right to say, you know, I think you do. <laughs> um I think you would yeah, say. I think I you'd mean, say it exactly that way.
0: Yeah. I mean the 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 loser speech is is a perfect example of that, right? You will always be a loser the way you enunciated it. like like you said, you got the guy down, you knew you you knew you didn't like George and you just went at it. That what can you talk about? I mean, that was a great uh monologue there.
2: Yeah. Well the only thing with that, that was, you know, word for word, the way it was written. Because the, the writing on that show obviously was you know, extraordinary. The only things about them that you could play with really are rhythms. Um, and uh, I tried to give him a, a slightly unexpected rhythm where, you know, I was really just sort of crushing George under my thumb. <laughs> and it's more delicious when you crush someone slowly. This is a horrible thing to say. Um, but I, I wanted to really, I wanted to make it clear that he had to stand there and take it. That's how dominant I was. You know, if I just said it quickly and he ran out of the room, it wouldn't
0: have been as painful. (laughs) Incredible. Yes, that's an incredible take.
1: So Fred, you brought up, like you have to know where the writing comes from just a minute ago. So again, this was early years of Seinfeld, right? I mean, they kind of really didn't really hit their mark yet, but it sounds like you knew what Larry David was trying to get across, and, and I guess this story actually happened to Larry. Like, did he kind of tell you guys that on set? Kind of the, the history behind the story, how he quit with Dick Ebersol at SNL. Any, no, any not, there? Not
2: really. I think I think we all knew, uh, but uh, they were they were pretty hands off, um, letting letting the mix happen. They had some. Uh, really specific visual things like, you know, don't stand up on that word, stand up on that word uh, for the rhythm of the scene. And, uh, you know, that was pretty early in my TV career. And after a while, you realize that they're establishing a, a, a visual rhythm that enhances the comic rhythms. And if, if, you're, just, if you're just inexperienced, you think it's oppressive. And the more you work, the more you get to see how really good directors work. Uh, you realize that they're helping you they're visually by uh, letting the rhythm come to you.
0: So uh, was that Sharon that was doing that uh, directing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're big fans.
2: Well, no, <laughs> he did. He had a, a beast of a script to shoot because he had so many different locations and he had so many setups and he had Michael Richards, which alone is, you know, a full week.
0: Right. So you,
1: so you were there um, on set the whole time, right? You mentioned you saw the Kramer scenes. You were kind of laughing. Well, your actually, at, I came in that day, even though I wasn't
2: called that afternoon, because I knew Michael was going to do slapstick, and uh, it's worth seeing. So I came in an awesome. extra day. That's awesome. You didn't want to miss I, it. I didn't want to miss it. And I'd worked with Michael in the theater. Um, so, and also it was a fun place to be. The set was a fun place to hang out.
0: I can imagine. Hey
1: Fred, you're a um, Maplewood, New Jersey native. So you're, you have that kind of Northeast New Yorker in, in your blood. Um, Yankee fan? Yeah. And it's 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 funny the 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 scene at the bar kicks off and you're talking about the uh the infield I'm just curious uh yeah, uh, yeah. No, my mother the Yankee. my mother took me
2: to my first yankee game in 1962 when I was 9 years old and I saw Maris and Mantle both hit home runs uh so yeah yankees It's in my blood
1: all the way through um it's so yeah, I mean and baseball has such a, a unique tie to the show. Larry, obviously, um huge Yankee fan, and he kinda tried to weave that in. Yeah, and, this and, uh,
0: it's uh, got this episode had your episode The Revenge had George's uh famous I like sports. Maybe I could be uh maybe I could be a, do something in sports, be a general manager of a baseball team. I mean one of the greatest George seeds ever you're a part yeah. of and you know, it's also as O'Hara mentioned. I mean, this believe this was Larry David's first solo writing credit as far as the show goes. And then, the other kind of main kind of topic for Seinfeld, you know, fans is the uh, the Newman. I mean, Newman is mentioned but not seen in this episode. I believe it's Larry David's voice. I don't know if that was something that was aware to you at the time. If Larry David was doing that off camera, that wasn't even done during you know the week you were there. But it was. It was interesting to me that I guess they didn't have the character fully flushed out yet. And they just uh, they kind of just threw this this character Newman out there and let and let just a voice be there. But I don't know if that was like talked about or anything like that. Mm-hmm.
2: Not that I remember. Yeah. It was 30 yeah. years ago and I'm old.
0: So. <laughs> no, I know. So, just throwing it out there. Yeah.
1: So, Fred, you um, obviously kind of grew up in. um on the stage and then did a lot of television and kind of back to the stage and music musicals, Mel Brooks. Um, but I guess, and obviously you worked on a lot of sitcoms, just getting back to Seinfeld, you know, Jerry always talks about it. It's kind of a homemade show. It was kind of just Jerry, Larry, Tom Sharonis. I know Larry Charles was on the set then, but what do you remember about that? Just that show, the set, how it was kind of different and kind of small, if you will, compared to some of the other shows you worked on yeah I didn't see a lot of network people as I
2: remember um and whenever you know I think this is specifically especially applies to jerry uh comedy is a serious business there's and and i what I mean by that is there's there are so many aspects, especially on film, of what makes something funny you have to think on so many different levels that you have to think seriously about it. And there are a lot of comedians who have shows on television who on the set seem very serious. And uh, it's because they're trying to think of the whole product. And this was early on. So they're all trying to invent, still trying to invent the product. Um, So there would be meetings with Larry and Jerry and Tom that were sort of in a huddle about something going on and uh even at that point in my career i knew i didn't want to be anywhere near that (laughs) they they will figure out what they want they will communicate it to me i will try to do it that's all i have to worry about
0: oh it's and you did it i mean that's i mean we were talking about i mean you you basically steal the entire show just from the the, you know the scenes you're in as far as like you said the way because because here's the thing it's so it's early on and we're big fans of early on. I mean, season two, I don't think it's enough recognition. I love season two. I mean it's up there. I mean, pound for pound, it's 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 one of the best seasons. Um, but but two through five especially. But they're still developing those characters, right? So George you know, we call him like the loser George, right? When George is, is, and this was like the height of loser George. I mean, he, j- he just quit his job and he's literally called the loser probably for the first time. And like you said, the way you do it, the way you deliver it, how you slow it down and just really like put him under your thumb. Um, I think it, it, whatever happened on that audition or or on set, you got it. And I mean, it definitely shows through that, uh, you know, you had a big part in, um, in sort of developing that character. Um, you know, it would have been great. I mean, because he keeps he keeps that job, sort of. Uh, he does real estate for a few other episodes. I mean, it would have been great if there was a sort of a recurring there with you as as the boss. It would have been uh it would have been fun to see because you really uh, the dynamic there was really really good. I don't know if that. Um, well, a
2: lot of a lot of television, to a less extent theater. A lot of television is a very happy accident, and uh, there you know it's like. You almost don't want to go back to the well because it's never going to be as good. Right. It's it, in it a was bottle. It was sort of, I wasn't second guessing anything. I wasn't really thinking, overthinking anything. I was just sort of going with an impulse. And uh, one of the hard things about being a series regular is you do have to go back to that well every week. And you have, it's a trap to fall into tricks, you know, mm-hmm. to do the same basic performance you did the week before because you trusted. it. Right. And when shows really take off, it's because, well, like Seinfeld is a particular example of none of them settling for what they were happy with last week. They all pushed and grew and changed and the relationships became more dynamic and those, um, and those silly little celebration things, you know, the jumping up and down and all, all that stuff seemed so real. Right but it was so carefully planned um, because they didn't settle. I know. I, th- I think they're all
0: great. No, that's a great point.
1: Yeah. And you, you mentioned uh, when you hopped on that uh, kids recognize you in New York on the subway. I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, are so like, what do you hear from them? Like, what is, is it, is that Costanza over there? Like, what are some of the famous lines that you, you kind of hear from fans? That, uh...
2: Actually, most of the, young people who recognize me on the subway first of all are great at recognizing people. They should work (laughs) for the FBI because it was 30 years ago. I think my hair has changed the color a bit. Um, They generally just ask me very politely and very quietly, were you on Seinfeld? And I said, yeah, I talked to them, you know, and then when they get off, I said, you know, stop binging old TV shows and go to class. (laughs) But it's uh, they're usually just, you know, very polite and very excited to have some connection. Can I tell you a little story? Yes, yeah. of course. When, when my daughter was working in D.C., she said, um, you want to go get frozen yogurt? And I said, OK, she said, but I want to go to a specific place and it's kind of far. I said, whatever. So we went and we go in and the guy had was such a Seinfeld fan. That if you brought in someone who'd been on Seinfeld, you got free frozen yogurt for a week, <laughs> and that's the only reason she wanted to bring me to this yogurt place. <laughs> My daughter used me. Wow! Uh, yeah, <laughs> not a
0: fat yogurt.
2: I think it's in. Uh, still it's it's still there. It's called Mr. Yogato in uh,
0: D.C. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, like uh, Tony mentioned, I think the beauty of the show was uh the unselfishness and that that they let guest stars like you and i know Darbo has done an episode like really shine um and i think that's a credit to just larry and jerry at the at the core of the show um mm-hmm. to help actors like you just kind of to shine and, and essentially outshine the, the main cast which is tough to do sometimes but you definitely did it fred oh well. Okay, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but <laughs> um, one of the
2: things that they were, the, you know, Jerry's comedy is reactive. It's based on his reaction to things. Even his stand-up, right? Is he'll he'll tell a story about something, and he'll tell a story about his reaction to it. And they're all great reactive com- comedians, uh comic dimensions people. <laughs> um. And so they want to be fed because it's their reaction that pushes the comedy. Right. Um, and I think they're all smart enough to realize that. And so when someone came in that was feeding them something, that was delicious for them because it gave them fuel. It also gave them, and we were just talking about uh, keeping it fresh and you know not going back to your old tricks if you're really listening to what someone's bringing and really responding to it, you can't have done, you can't have done those things before because this is someone talking to you for the first time. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, they were very smart.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because as you mentioned earlier, how you, you got the character and you were able to pronounce the name wrong, right. And, and slow down your cadence to really hammer in the point. Um, I'm wondering, we kind of glossed over, but I know it's 30 years ago, but I mean, the audition, I'm wondering what they saw because we always talk to these guys. like O'Hara said, every guest actor has been, you know, they let them shine. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the casting. I mean, they picked the right person for the job and they must see it at some point. I don't know if that was, you know, Mark Hirschfeld that did that for you, or um, if you remember the audition of what like clicked. You know, if you remember the scene or anything like that, or just you just got it and we were like, OK, this guy definitely hates George and, is, and loves being the boss. I mean, there had to be an in somewhere that you saw and then uh, kind of expanded on it. But it definitely uh, showed uh, throughout the scenes.
2: You know, the auditions are weird. Um, most of them just disappear in a fog after you leave the room because <laughs> they're so stressful, uh, especially when you're starting out because you just, you don't really know what they want. You don't really know how to give it to them. You don't really know why you're an actor. Uh, it's almost every audition is an existential crisis of some kind. <laughs> um, but I went in just, uh, you know, the way I read the character, the guy's just a dick. <laughs> um, and I just said, I did it. I did it that way. And, right. uh, I think that's what the the direction they wanted to go, and in and in the rehearsals for the scenes, it, it grew, and they and it helped me to focus it a little, and uh, I made some more choices then. But
1: well, Fred, I, just, I wrote I wrote jerk, not dick uh, on the notepad <laughs> here. <but I'll, laughs> letter jerk. Work. <laughs> but I feel like you you turn it around at the end, and you you kind of become a lovable boss. Like you know, how you blew that McConnell deal, I'll never know. Like that's just.
0: <laughs> Incredible! Yeah. Line. We all love the antics around great. the office.
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting the way that their strategy backfired, and I think that's part of the good writing is that they're trying to torment me and punish me, but Julia winds up charming me, not annoying me, and making me so happy that I see George and I just see the absurdity of it. And I'm just about to give him his job back, as you know. Um, so their elaborate plan backfires on every possible
1: level.
2: I mean, George is a loser at planning revenge. I mean, right.
0: it's, yeah. <laughs> it was almost like their plan. Their plan should have been Julia should get you happy to get him his job back. That's what worked, but they did it the other way. But
2: that's not the way those right. people think. Right, right. And consistently in the whole show, they don't think like normal people.
0: Right, and, and it's interesting too. Like the the you know we're talking about Seinfeld is you know it's groundbreaking. You know the the things that were going on in this episode were not going on on sitcoms in nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety one. Right, so I mean, it's a dark episode. You got you got you got Newman jumping off the building, and that's just a joke because he doesn't actually kill himself, obviously. And then you got. You got you, you know, talking about ah, I tied her up. Uh, I took took video of her in the Lake George, and you got you know uh, George slipping you a Mickey. Um, you know, these things weren't weren't on TV really on sitcoms at the time, especially you know we we talked about the shows you were on. A lot of them are family friendly and things like that. So, was there anything you know that struck you in that way where you are like, well, there is something different. We're we're getting somewhere now. Is that is that kind of what made intrigued you, or was it just you know? Um, I thought there a lot of things they did um were surprisingly
2: honest because it's something a person might do even though it's a little questionable like obviously uh jerry and michael should not have put cement in a washing machine <laughs> as revenge that that's wrong it's it's wrong and They did it, gleefully, and paid the price. I mean, obviously, they came back around when they realized that they were mistaken. Right. But even were they not mistaken, the guy had stolen the money. It's a terrible thing to do. Right. So they're doing bad things and paying the price. But you sort of believe that an average person could get to a point where they would make that choice. And that was kind of the beauty of the show. I mean, they do, a lot of the things they did in the show, and I'm not a Seinfeld expert, but I, I did watch it, um, are stupid. <laughs> it's just right. stupid.
0: Well, a child is they're, 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 they're,
2: childish, but they're you believe, petty, but yeah, you believe that these people would together think this was a good idea.
1: But that, you know, yep. that's the, the genius of Larry David. It's all rooted in things that happened to him, essentially. So, and he was able to kind of spin that into a story across four characters. So, um, what's in the water in Maplewood, uh, Fred? I mean, you got Max Weinberg, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Shude, and, and yourself. So, you know, incredible talent coming out of the Columbia High School. Did you, did you guys ever connect?
2: um no i mean weird <laughs> um you know l- like anyone growing up with who desires a career in the arts like most people especially want to be an actor you want to get uh on a rocket ship and get as far away from home as you can um so you can reinvent yourself without anybody looking over your shoulder uh but these uh, well you know It was a remarkable high school in a lot of ways. We we turned out some people who were just really serious about um, being successful. And uh, one of the things about being successful is that you really have to be committed. You have to be desperate to be successful, Mm. because it's you know it's it's possible. I mean, I'm not a superhero, but I mean it's 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 hard to succeed in this
1: right.
2: and most people don't um but you you have to be uh you have to have a feeling that there is no backup plan this well, you is you can't it. be half
0: you can't be half in
2: um, now
0: it's interesting too. you your career has been you know incredible uh, so many different things and so for so long um what what it, it what do you enjoy more? Is it is it the stage? Is it the Broadway, or is it um, you know TV film? I'm just curious. I know you've done so much. It's just worked with so many talented people. Um, what is I? I'm a, I'll let you tell me. But I'm a, I, I've heard you know different The stage. You're doing it live. You know, in front of people, it has to be exhilarating. I do, I do
2: particularly love the stage. I yeah. I I don't feel as alive when I'm doing eight shows a week. Um, I feel really alive because uh, it's it's so risky and it's all on you. I mean, everyone is looking at you. Everyone can see you. You're never off camera. You're there. Uh, and uh, generally, the, the writing's pretty good. But looking back, I used to think, well, I like TV. No, I like theater better. No, I like musicals. No, I like plays. Um, I like them all if they're good. Right. Um, You know, you get involved with the project and you think, "Well, you know, I'm not going to be that good," but I'm here. And TV, the same thing. Um, You get to the table reading and you think, "Okay, this is going to be a long week," but I have three children, and uh, a week not working is an even longer week. So, (laughs) but but, you know, Seinfeld, brilliant writing and really talented uh actors who mostly came from the theater by the way um that i enjoyed very much and uh you know it's similar like uh uh working with uh, on mrs mazel good quality show really serious set um good work that was enjoyable yeah, yeah you, uh, you're
0: in a bunch of uh recent hits. Mrs. Mabel, like you said, uh billions, uh crashing was, you know, Pete Holmes was a great show.
2: Yeah, it was a great show. He's a really interesting guy. He's very tall.
0: Yeah, he's very tall. Yep. Wow. Have you ever listened to his podcast by the way? The M- You Make yeah. It Weird. We, I I liked his podcast a lot. He was very uh that show yeah. was good and he had his own show that Conan produced. The late night show was great. They had a they actually had a Seinfeld bit on that. I don't know if uh yeah. He did –
2: one of the episodes we did, um, he was – the character was trying to MC Christian um, variety show or stand-up things, and he brought in a couple busloads of evangelical Christians as the audience, and he did a warm-up and had them on the floor. With this warm-up about evangelical Christianity. Oh wow. And I thought that's A, really risky, B, really hard to do, and
0: really funny. Yeah, that's his background, right? He was very, very religious. I know they did that yeah. that that on the show as well. They made it into a thing, but that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of religious, Fred, you've been blessed. You uh you mentioned your three children. You mentioned 150 episodes on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned your daughter talk, bringing you to the ice cream shop because of Seinfeld. I'm just curious. are you, and Listen, producers done a ton, but do people recognize you most? Is that the most memorable out of the 150 you've done? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Yeah. Night Court, nothing else gets loved. <laughs> Yeah, well, Nightcourt gets a little
2: love, but um, I bounce around as characters on uh, Nightcourt. And, uh, uh, you know, I used to get asked a lot when my kids were little, I recurred on Growing Pains. And I was on the first episode that Leonardo DiCaprio was on. It was his TV debut. I think he was 16. And uh, a couple of them aired. And I was at the uh, petting zoo with my kids. I had to leave because everyone wanted to know what Leonardo DiCaprio was like.
0: Uh, That was right. I remember
1: that. Yeah. Wow. But it's, it's funny you mentioned that, like there's some, you mentioned growing pains and obviously the Leo uh, connection, but there's something about Seinfeld, right? Like, the episode where george quit like people just remember those specific moments Like, what is it people, about it people remember the name of the episode yeah a lot
2: of people don't even know episodes have names
1: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, old, guy, yeah
1: you know
2: that guy in seinfeld the guy uh he, he fired george and the
1: revenge
0: right I can't believe I've even been saying the word Mickey. You got a Mickey guy. I mean, there's so many great lines in that episode. Rick Bar
1: like, Properties. I mean, right.
0: uh, Case Electronics has the ba- has the the bathroom you wanted him to share with.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah that, so, that okay. sets up
0: the George the George bathroom character. By the way, I'm talking about setting the character, this was a major major stepping stone in setting George up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was fun. This was fun too. We really we really appreciate it, Fred. No. Oh. Oh.
2: My pleasure. One more story for Larry David. Definitely. Um, I did an episode of uh, Remington Steel. Yes. When first gotten out to California, I think it was like 86. And it was a fantasy baseball camp. And the baseball players they hired were Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford. And I found out we were actually playing baseball with them. I was the catcher. Mickey was at bat and Whitey Ford was pitching. Wow. Now, I've been a Yankee fan since I was nine. Holy cow. It was very exciting. First of all, you never saw so many agents come to see a sh- taping of an episodic. Everybody wanted to check on how their client was doing. And by the way, where's Mickey? Um, <laughs> so I, I was there catching. And I said to Mickey, I'm not a baseball player. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a catcher. And he said, just hold the glove up and wait, he'll throw the ball in it. I said, yeah, that makes sense. And <laughs> he, as he was about to hit, he said, besides, I don't miss.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. With the Mick. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: No, they were both great guys. But, you know, for a Yankee fan, you can't imagine what you can.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible. That's, mm-hmm. did, did you share that story with Larry when you were on set?
2: No, I actually didn't see Larry very much. I mean, they were all very busy creating right. some, a work of genius. And a lot of times on a sitcom, if you don't hear from people, you're fine.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, True.
2: They've got other fires to put out.
0: Well, Fred, uh,
1: listen, uh, like I said, you've uh, you've blessed us with this appearance on Seinfeld and just many others. Keep up the good work and uh, hats off. Thank you.
2: I've been very fortunate and I'm very grateful.
0: Thank you, Fred. This was great. Thanks. This was so much fun. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank Thank you. you.